welcome to the Celebration Sessions with me, Connor Clear, a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. This is my little exploration into how we fall in love, how we celebrate the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. A reminder of the positivity that can come from making the most of the important times. Above all, a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on this journey. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Celebration Sessions with myself, Connor Clear, where we look at how we celebrate our way through life and where we weigh up life, loss and love. Now this time around it is loss up for discussion and this is the first time that we're going to be talking about this in this series. So I think just by way of introduction to the idea of discussing loss and death, I want to start by just looking at the idea of how the Irish do death because it is something... I think it is talked about, the Irish wake, something that's a a much talked about phenomenon. I'm reminded of one of my favourite comedians, Dave Allen. He once said, a very important part of the Irish way of life is death. We lay them out and we watch them for a couple of days. Um, Now, the the idea of the Irish wake, as I said, it is a, a much talked about phenomenon. And there is an idea, I think, seemingly around the world that the Irish do death well. But is it true? And is it really the case that the Irish can be grouped together in this regard to say that we do do death better than other countries? So joining me in this episode to unpack this is Pat Fenlon. Now, Pat and I met recently on our funeral celebrancy course with the Irish Institute of Celebrants. So um, I think we can call ourselves fellow celebrants. Uh, Pat, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, that sounds like a nice title. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it. Um, yeah, so so look, we, we met in, in the course and I know through the course... You said a few things that I just found so interesting. So I knew I wanted to chat to you about this. Um, but let's start from the start. First of all, do you think it's true? Do the Irish do death well? Um, actually, I do. I do. I believe it. And I do think it's true. Um, I think we are able to do death very well. Having said that, I think we're portrayed in kind of Hollywood and old Irish films as being kind of, you know, we all almost put the body up on the counter and everybody gets drunk and we dance around and we have a great Irish wake. I actually have never been at a wake like that. So I think we're portrayed and obviously for film purposes and um, things are emphasized because I think at an Irish wake, we are very respectful and I think there's almost an ambience and a kind of a quietness and a hush when people enter the home of somebody who has passed away. Yeah. Having said that, there's always a traditional, at least an offer of a, a glass of whiskey or something like that. Um, I think it is a time when we come together, we're respectful of the body. Um, I've noticed people kind of wanting to touch or even give the forehead a kiss or bless the body with holy water and it's all about passage and um, shaking hands with the family members like I'm sorry yeah, for your yeah. loss and I think people really mean that and um, and I think once that kind of ritual is over then there's very much sit down and have time with the family and that's what we do really well we spend time with the people who have survived 
and we reminisce and we tell stories. And nearly every time I've gone to an Irish wake, there's been a good laugh. And I think that's why we're portrayed as kind of being kind of drunk in the botch. I haven't (laughs) been drunk in the botch that awake, but I have had a laugh at the fond memories of the person. And I've had a tear at the the passing soul. If that's doing it well, I think we do. Yeah, and and I think actually we might we might be on the same page because I do agree with that. Um, like you mentioned, the depictions that we see in Hollywood, it reminds me of that scene from The Wire uh, when an Irish police officer died and his colleagues laid him out on a snooker table or a pool table in the local Irish bar. Yeah, uh, uh, and he yeah, and he had his wake there. And that really jarred with me. I, I didn't mm. I didn't recognise that. And in fact, I did listen to another podcast in which a Scottish journalist uh, wrote a book about mm. this whole thing. Uh, he wrote a book about how the Irish do death. And he spoke about a trip that he made to the west of Ireland, uh, one of the islands, um, mm-hmm. one of the Aran Islands, I think it was. And he shared this description of the Irish wake that... I had no concept of uh, keening, you know, lamenting the dead. And I just thought that's not how we do it in Dublin. So I didn't recognise that. But a lot of what you said there is what we do. We gather. We'll gather in the home. We tell stories. We pay respects. Uh, There might be a drink involved. Um, Okay, let's be honest. Very often there's a drink involved. Um, So there are things that I recognised there but again, when we see it uh, depicted around the world, there's a lot that I don't recognise. And I wonder as well, is there a difference between how we do death? Okay, we do death well, perhaps, but do we do grief well? When everyone goes home and we close the door, you know, after the funeral, what happens then? Do we have a good attitude towards grief as opposed to that immediate impact of, 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 of death? Yeah, I think we're probably better at the immediate impact. I can remember, for example, uh, my my earliest memory of attending a funeral was my grandmother. I was only a child. I was, I suppose I was early teens, maybe. And I can remember being so pleased that so many people called to the house and so many people offered us sympathy and so many people supported us. But my, my memory is going from the church to the graveyard and we were going up this hill and I was uh, you know, walking behind the hearse and the people behind me were just having the crack, telling a story. They were, you know, the funeral mass was over, the burial hadn't happened, and it was between them, and they were kind of laughing and joking. And I kind of almost felt, oh my God, how can you be so disrespectful? And it was the immediacy was over almost, even at that stage. Um, and they had gone back into their own kind of world, for the want of a better word. And I have noticed um, that there's a couple of days afterwards, and I think the Catholic Church, as far as I can remember, used to mark the ninth day and then the month's mind because they felt, well, they are milestones for the family. And I think we live in such a kind of a rush society that very often we're very good at the time of death. A week mm. afterwards, a month afterwards, we've got, got on with our own lives. Yeah. Things have changed. And there's almost, well, you need to get on with it. Because one time in Irish history, we would have been in mourning for a year, the family would never have socialized or gone out for a drink and they would wear black for a long time. Whereas now I think we kind of get back into society fairly quick and the immediate family might still be in grief, but the support for grief, I just wonder, is it still there? You know, I just, I'm not that convinced that we do it that 
very well. I think some people do, but not generally as a society. Yeah, it is true. And and I think that's probably where it matters most, yeah. really. Um, I know through doing the course, I think there is that idea that I think a good funeral is the start of, of a grieving process. That was something that I had never really thought about before I joined the course. So it yeah. was a big yeah. moment for me where I thought, oh yeah, that, you know, that, that was the penny dropping. For, so for me now, I think that's the focus I want to give it, you know, as the start of that process. But then there's the journey afterwards. Yeah, it's the process afterwards. And it's yeah, the start of yeah. a process and start of a journey. You're absolutely right. And I think, and people will remember, they'll remember who called they remember who sent a card. They remember who dropped in. They remember who came to the funeral. I'm always fascinated that people can remember that Mrs. Murphy didn't call or Mrs. Murphy did call. Um, but I can remember too in my own experience of it was afterwards that it hit me. It was, if you don't mind me using examples, it was actually on this occasion, it was my mother who had passed away. And it was a somewhere in my psyche, I was saying, gosh, you know, when I meet Mammy, I'll tell her so-and-so came and it was a great funeral and so many people called. Like somewhere in my head, I hadn't accepted the finality of death. Um, I was mourning, but it was like she was on a holiday. And then when it hit me that I'll actually never, ever speak to her again, that I found even harder than the moments of death and the, the start of the process. Because at the start of the process and with the celebrant, for example, the family who are grieving have work to do. We have arrangements to make. We have people to contact. We have to make sure this person gets a good funeral. But when the work is done, our grief really takes a grip then. Yeah, that's actually quite a relatable point, I think. I can echo that as well. I remember probably I would say one of my first losses might have been my grandfather. And I would have only been around about maybe 13 or 14, I think, at the Mm. time. And he would have always have been in the house and then all of a sudden he he wasn't yeah and i think at that age i just coasted through a funeral process without really letting it sink in and you know after that then a few days later he didn't come to visit and he didn't come to visit us the week after and and somewhere along the way the penny dropped and that was actually the finality of life, you know, but, but it is a journey. Yeah, and I think we're, we're going to be surrounded, and I remember being fascinated by reminders, at the, and I think grief can hit you in the back of the head very hard. You know, you can literally have the funeral is over, it could be weeks afterwards, and you'll spot somebody walking that just reminds you, or a picture, or um, I remember being reminded, it was actually somebody opening a gate, and the sound of the gate brought back a huge memory. Of the really? person that had passed away. Really? And yeah. And and that pushed me back into a reminder that something is not quite right with the world. Something has changed forever. And that's what grief is about, I suppose, recognizing and accepting. Because it takes a long time to accept um the finality of death. And and, and I think even with faith we kind of we, we try not to accept it. We almost try to say, you know, it's part of our life and it's part of living. Death is part of living. And I, I agree with that. And another part of me thinks that it's a way of not having to accept finality. Uh, you know? And I think how we accept that. I mean, 
okay, arguably, probably a whole conversation for another day, another episode. But but that yeah. how we accept that is really massive. And I'm not really convinced that, you know, going back to how the Irish do death, I'm not sure that we as a country, as a national grouping like that, are armed with that information as to how best yeah. to do that and go through that process. Yeah. One of the best analogies I heard, <clears throat> because people say, well, you know, it's part of life and I have to have faith because if I thought there was nothing else, what would I do? And then there's lots of people who say, well, I don't believe in anything. And this is just um, the person is gone and that's it, or it's just the body. Um, I remember hearing somebody talking about, they said to me that there's nobody in this group, we were in a group of people, there's nobody here, without exception, everybody here spent a time in their mother's womb. That's a fact. Everybody here. was in our mother's womb at some stage. And when we were there, we had, that's where we got our nourishment. That was our whole world. And we had a heartbeat. It was everything we ever needed. We lived there. We grew there. We developed in our womb, in our mother's womb. But without exception, none of us could stay there. Even if we were nice and cozy and comfortable, we had to leave it. And when we left, there were tears, there was pain, and there was joy. But when we left, we could never return and what was a heartbeat became a real person in our mother. And the world was, how different is it now, living in this world, to living in a womb? So our world changed unrecognizably. But it was, in a sense, we died. The world of the womb is dead. That world is gone forever. We can't return, nor will we want to return. And now we're here, and the same process. We leave here, and there will be pain and there will be sorrow, and there will be tears, and there will be laughs, and there will be joy, because whatever the next world is, it's just an extension, my belief, it's an extension of here, but so different that we wouldn't recognize it. Nobody can stay here, nobody can stay in the womb. Nobody can return to here when they've died, nobody can return to the womb. And I just like the analogy that there is progression, and that what we're doing is marking the milestone of passage. We've already left the womb world, we now we will leave this world to something that we just can't even comprehend. And that's not to be, some people will put it into a religious and call it heaven or whatever. Others will just say it's just another part of our lives and our, our continuation in some way. I just, it's a comforting analogy that I, I've heard. Very comforting indeed. That's really nice. And you mentioned that gorgeous word, which is progression. Such a nice idea. It's that changing world. You've gone from one world to another to another one now. Like you say, yeah, progression. Such a gorgeous image. That's funny. I was listening to a child yesterday on the radio. They actually had lost a letter that their grandfather had written to them and now he was dead. And And she said, "Everything. every time I see a butterfly, I feel he's looking after me. And a butterfly was her comfort. And it, it too reminded me, and I'm sorry for another analogy, but it reminded me of, again, if you look at nature, there is the, I mean, talking about cocooning, we said that was a new word, but actually there's a cocoon where, you know, a butterfly starts and it's not particularly handsome in a cocoon. Mm-hmm. And, but it leaves that, it leaves that kind of hanging cocoon. It leaves that quite dull um, existence. <clears throat> to become a butterfly, which is one of the most beautiful things you can see. And it has the color and the freedom. And I often see that as passage as well. It's that progression from, you know, the the caterpillar almost to the butterfly. 
and people like the butterfly image and I think I I like it I love it um but I also love where it came from Pat can I ask you a question because I do like that idea I love that analogy this is perhaps a little off topic but it, but but it's come up now yeah. you've brought nature into it and I'm I'm wondering do you believe that the people we've lost will use nature to come back and communicate with us as in you know those moments that uh, you know those moments where a butterfly lands on your shoulder or mm. you know a, a robin is is that a belief you hold um i wouldn't be somebody that's strong in superstition having said that nor do i believe in coincidence right um and i think that we're all intrinsically linked in some way and I don't think we just exist independent of nature and independent of the world. And I think that um, there's so many connections and there's so many um, there's so many links, I suppose. So I would, I, I do feel that the people who have gone before us, and I'm not talking about ghosts or spirits, or I'm just talking about um, their presence. Now I, I do think, and people say, "Oh, the spirit," and I think it's, spirit is a fabulous word. Because I know people like my father had great spirit in that he was a great man. He was generous. He was fun. He was a big, um, strong man. Um, but his spirit were was one of great value and one of great um, integrity. And do you know what? His spirit still lives in his kids because we took his example. We continue it. So his body which was just the shell that housed the essence of the man is gone, but the essence of the man is alive in us and how we treat each other. And I think that translates into nature as well, if I'm to be honest. And, and it is such a nice idea. And I think that idea of, of keeping that energy alive, keeping that essence alive through stories, memories, you know, talking about your loved ones um, yeah. as, as well, and, and keeping that alive in the house, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think the telling of stories <clears throat> is always good. And it's not just a kind of academic exercise of recording it in case we forget. Because the stories are not, it's not like reading an autobiography or reading a research report. And this is, you know, he in a chronological order, this is who he was and this is where he came from. And this is what he achieved or she. Um, the telling of the stories is always about the person their essence, their spirit, their uh, the type of person. Because outside of that, like a male is a male, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. But the diversity and the individuality is what is makes them individuals. You know, that the essence of the person makes them an individual. We're very different. But yet, academically, and if you kind of do post-mortem on both of us you'll find yep same organs are in the same places you know and they had two arms and five fingers in each hand but we're very different because of who we are and our spirit and our essence so the essence and the spirit do you think is that the the, the sorry actually hold on sorry because there's a question uh i, I was going to ask it flippantly just you yeah. know flippantly throw that question at you but actually let me think about this because again it's slightly off topic but it is fascinating um is that essence and that spirit, um, is that the same as your soul? To me, it is because your soul is, it's that individual deep 
the thing that identifies you as who you are, uh, the, the uniqueness of Pat Fenlon, the uniqueness of Connor Clear, is you can call it what you like. People have looked for number for names, and spirit, soul, essence. I think that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think some churches have taken it because we see we live in a, a rational world. We need to understand. So therefore, <clears throat> we need to understand cause and effect, and we need to understand. Um, stories that make sense so we have a soul and our soul goes up to heaven and i think that's a a nice way of putting it that helps us to grapple with it um how is that different to the essence of the person lives on in the lives of those that they influenced and cared about them and continues to live you know it's the same thing just different words and what i like uh, sometimes is when i hear people from the scientific world, that world of rationale, like you say, that are concerned with cause and effect, that world of evidence, when they have applied rationale to the idea that your body has a certain energy that that doesn't disappear. Yeah. Um, and I also heard an item on the radio, not too long ago, in fact, uh, with somebody from the world of science, uh, talking about the physical remains, whether it's ashes or a body in a coffin, going from earth um, to a worm, to a bird, essentially staying in the, you know, the, the ecosystem, yep. for want of a better word. So your physical, uh, I don't want to say DNA, but your physical essence, let's just say, continues on in, indefinitely. So, yeah. you know, the, the world of science applying that rationale to that spiritual idea as well, I have to say, I... I I quite like that. Yeah. I don't think anything disappears. I think it changes. And I think it's subsumed. Um, but it doesn't disappear. It doesn't cease to exist. And it, and it just takes on a different form. Um, and, and you know, as you said, it returns to the earth. And there's something really nice about returning to the earth. Yeah, yeah. And growing from the earth again, you know. Um, and I think sometimes we have theory to kind of keep um, civil unrest. I remember... Um, looking and and talking with people who had a firm belief, they were quite poor in this. Uh, it was I was actually in India, and they believed in reincarnation. And the poor people said, "Well, you know, we have to pay the price for bad lives lived in you know by our ancestors, um, but we will be born into righteousness and richness if we just accept our poverty and accept our lot." And the rich people were almost saying, "Well." Far be it for us to deprive these people, poor people, of oh the word. pathway to righteousness. So it just kept civil rest. And I don't know whether that was just <laughs> clever yeah. or whether, it's, but that's what they believed, you know. And I wonder, did, did, did it work? <laughs> well, did it work it, to it keep civil rest? It worked to the degree that guilt, rich people didn't feel a bit guilty about kind of, you know, yeah. letting others live out of their dustbins and poor people didn't have any resentment so from a civil rest it worked great it was a great you know um, and I often wondered is this based on religious belief or is it based on this keeps equilibrium you know just an interesting one when I experienced it I just it is interesting it is interesting Um, I'm not sure how I would feel about it regardless of where it comes from I'm not sure it would work for me trying to follow my own little journey through life but it is interesting but um, Pat can I bring it back to the point of funeral and and the point of of how the Irish react with it the funeral rituals and traditions 
had been changing and evolving over time. And then March 2020 happened. Now, since COVID arrived on the scene, we have seen some seismic changes. I think there's huge change. And I think we're going to pay the price, for the want of a better word. Because I think as a nation, us Irish are quite expressive. Um, I remember one of the mistakes I made at my mother's funeral was I wore a ring. Right. And I call it a mistake because the amount of people that shook hands, my finger, my hand was just... I was in agony at the end of it. And I also got, take off your, and I often say to people, take off your ring because so many people would shake hands with you. I had total strangers and they kind of knew, shook hands with me because, well, I worked with your brother or I knew your father's yeah. uncle or, or I was a neighbor or he had farmland in my area. There was all sorts of obscure connections. So they didn't know me personally, but out of respect for my father, it was at his funeral and the same at my mother's funeral, um, the amount of people that came to shake hands with me. Then my friends gave me a hug, and it was more than just, hi, how's it going? It was a really comforting, reassuring, a real hug um, that, that had that just squeeze about it. Um, and that's part of the ritual of expressing our support. And then we had, at the end of the funeral, I said, no, we'd like to thank people for traveling and please join us. And we meant, we meant it. And everybody time to say that, people said, do join us um, for, you know, for refreshments or whatever. And that's because, you know, we're a community and we're community people and we exist by expressive um, gestures and we exist by comforting one another and by being with one another. And COVID has kind of, put restrictions on that, restrictions on the numbers. How do you pick? How do you say, oh, you can't come, you can't come, you can come, you're out, you're in. Um, and I'm glad people like line the streets and line the roads because we still need to express our support in some way. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, when this is all over, we will get together. I fear, will it be all over? I think it will obviously be better than it is now. Will it be over? I think life will, will be totally different forever. But also, even in a year's time, if I say, okay, all those who would have come to daddy's funeral, will you please kind of, you know, we'd like to invite you to the hall. I think the occasion is gone. I think the the grief is that we're at a different place. People shaking hands with me a year afterwards, it's very different than the raw, when I needed them at the raw time of departure. Yeah. So I think yeah. we're in a very different time now and I wonder how it's going to affect us. This is true. Um, I mean, already, I'm surprised and fascinated, but already, if you walk into any town today and you see two people who hop out of the car, meet one and give each other a hug, you're, you're almost, oh my God, did you see that? Do you know <laughs> Don't I mean? you though? You do. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. And you're kind of judgmental and you're almost kind of, I'd say you get a dirty look if you did it. It's like I was part of kind of when smoking cessation came in. And now if you even see it on television, it's an old film and they're all smoking in the restaurant or in the office. Yeah. And so, my God, imagine they were smoking in the office. That or was normal. Jars, and now yeah. we're kind of, oh my God, that's something bad. and That's wrong. And we we wouldn't accept it. And I worry that will the same come to how we express ourselves? Will we forever just nod at one another yeah and that hard. is my fear now of 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 what we call and and i hate using this phrase but i think we all know what we mean by it but the new normal 
Yeah. I'm afraid that the new normal won't include hugging and uh, shaking hands. And it's one thing on a social level. Uh, I know I miss it. It turns out I'm quite a tactile person. I love hugging my friends when I see them. But certainly when it comes to that trauma that you suffer in life, that tactility, I think, is so important, whether it's a handshake or, or whatever. But if it's a hug, they're really, really important at that time. So I'm just willing them to, to return. Yeah. And, and and it's funny, at this stage, I guess, I think really the only loss, the, the, the big loss I've had in my life has been my father. And prior to that, I had always hated the idea of taking part in the receiving line uh, at the removal because to me, yeah. having not experienced it. It felt intrusive. I always felt so bad for the yeah. family as if it was compounding their grief. But then being on the other side of it, really, it's mm. such a comforting thing. And to get to see who's there, uh, to see friends, neighbours, you mentioned community. And some of the surprises, yeah. friends of yours who have travelled from so far, friends you hadn't seen for so long, and you go, oh my word, People introduce themselves. I'm I'm a friend of your brother, or a friend of your mother's, or whoever, and you go, wow, this is this is really comforting. So it was actually that moment that that was the moment that made me yeah. reevaluate. And, and and certainly before COVID, I had always made the point then of taking part in the receiving line and making my presence known and letting them know, you know, listen, I'm I'm, I'm here uh, because I think it means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's that whole community and it's that support and it's that gesture, that surprise that is so comforting. And it's, oh my God, this person really meant something to, you know, and it, it gives us it's that ripple effect. It's, look at the amount of lives they have touched through, maybe directly or indirectly. The other thing on COVID that I worry about is, I mean, I think there's that receiving and expressing of gestures, but also... For the people themselves, I mean, I would have known people who will prepare a body, for example. You know, they will wash their parent or they will dress their parent or there's time before we put the lid on the coffin where they have their own time as a family and they'll all give give the person a kiss. And lots of times now we'll kind of say, okay, you all have to have masks, you have to have gloves, you can't touch the body. Mm. And I think that's another element that is going to... And sometimes you can't even see if they've died in hospital. You may not have been able to visit for a number of weeks. That's very difficult. Not to be with them on their last moments and then not to be able to treat the body with the respect that you would like is very difficult for families. And I wonder about the effects of that as well. Yes, and the long-term emotional effects of how the the grieving process plays out then off off the back of that. I did see... um, well, since the start of this pandemic, there have been so many different reports on how remains have been handled, uh, especially if a person actually passed from COVID mm. or, or, or had COVID in their body. It's, it is a very harsh process, and especially for the family. Yeah. No contact, yeah. some extreme measures for, for professionals handling yeah. the remains as well. So... Um, yeah, I, re- I remember seeing that in the news, you know, things like families not, not allowed to even see their loved ones. You know, it must be so hard, so hard. And and yeah, that, that will have profound effects on, on, on the grieving process after. I think it will because everything we do, you know, impacts on us. And, you know, you will sometimes avoid things or do things and wanting to make a choice and it's another thing to have your choices taken away 
Um, and people could get very resentful or very angry or feel I've let them down or wonder how did it feel at the last moments when we weren't there. Um, I wanted to say my goodbyes in person. Mm-hmm. All of that closure, um, if, if that's absent, I do worry about, concerned about how it will impact later. So I think we have to find a new way of doing death well. And, and I think we can. I think we're well up for it. And I think even in the kind of the um, celebrant course, we're far more alert now to kind of this is about um, the beginning of a process. And if we do, at least if we do a ceremony well, they will have something to hold on to and something to to say, do you know what, we gave them a good send-off. And you've often heard that, oh, they had a great funeral or a great send-off. And I think that's important to us. So despite the restrictions of COVID, I think we need to keep doing that. Yeah, and you know what, Pat, you've made such super points that I think that might just be the the lovely little letter points to wrap this up on. Uh, that idea that, you know, we as a nation need to continue to do death well, but, but I think the way we do that may need to change, hopefully not too dramatically, because I think a lot of what we do has been very appropriate, just very nice, warm, very loving. So, um yeah, we've, we've got interesting times ahead, I think. Interesting times. We have to be true to ourselves, true to our humanity, true to who we are, retain it and find a way around. And we can do that. Pat, on that note, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. And I will actually just take this opportunity to say you've been wonderful uh, to do the course with. I really, really enjoyed it. And I look forward to our paths crossing often in this field and uh, indeed a, a continuing friendship. Absolutely, Connor. And thanks for asking me. I was kind of honoured to be asked and just for my own kind of thoughts on it. And I appreciate that. And it is, it's, it's, I never thought I would say, yeah, we did a course about funerals and we enjoyed it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I think that's good. So thanks a million. Listen, thank you very much. And to the listeners as well, uh, thank you for hitting play or hitting download. This has been the Celebration Sessions. Celebration Sessions.